Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. Well, the San Francisco 49ers, they nowadays are never quiet at the trade deadline. Seemed like they were in a lot of conversations. Ultimately, they make one move, a trade for Washington Commanders defensive end Chase Young. Me and Vish, we're going to be breaking down that move, what it means for the 49ers, and how they rebound in the second half all after this. Welcome back, everybody, to the program. We're going a little later than expected, but still, it's going to be a fun show. I've got my guy, Vish, here with me. And the 49ers, you know, they've got some trade deadline news, as always. So we're here to break it down. But first, Vish, how you doing, my man? I'm good, Rohan. How are you? Two weeks in a row. Yeah. Hey, this is the first time in a while where we've done two weeks in a row. And, uh, well, we've got a fun one again today. Probably a little bit of a shorter show, but still, nonetheless, an important one because, like I said, the 49ers have traded for Chase Young, sending a 2024 third-round compensatory pick. This is the pick that they get for uh, losing Rand Carthen and D'Amico Ryans. It's one of three third-round compensatory picks that they will get in a consecutive years. So they lose one of the third-round compensatory picks, but there's a lot about this move that both excites and also has you thinking about the future for the 49ers. Vish, though, first of all, what did you think about the move for Chase Young? Yeah, I, I honestly thought it was an awesome move. I don't really see the downside to the move. Now, Chase Young seems to be healthy, right? The same knee that he tore the patella and tore the ACL on, the one that essentially had him out for two years, has basically fully recovered according to how he looks on the field and according to the number of snaps he's playing this year. So given that, we're talking about a 24-year-old pass rusher with elite talent. I mean, when he was coming out of college, he was considered to be a better prospect by some than Nick Bosa, who was considered to be a very, very good defensive line prospect. And he came the same the next year um, from the same school. So we're talking about a highly gifted player um, who's 24 years old. I understand that there's a financial situation, but it doesn't really matter for the 49ers because either they recoup the comp- compensation and they have flexibility with what they can do in the case that they would like to keep Chase Young based on what happens this year. Thought it was an awesome move. And then when you look at the 49ers defensive line, the last few games, they have not gotten a lot of production from Javon Hargrave. And Drake Jackson has pretty much been a no-show on the other side of Nick Bosa for the majority of this year. Randy Gregory was starting to pop. I thought if he got more snaps, maybe he would be able to solidify that problem. But now they went and got one of the better players at that position to solidify that problem. Chase Young is an elite pass rusher. He has elite pass rush moves. Um, and he has elite athleticism. He's good enough to with to bend the edge with speed, but he's also strong enough to get into tackles bodies and push them back with his power. Um, and, you know, early in his career, when he came out of Ohio State, he was touted to be an excellent run defender. 
Now, I haven't fully spent time watching how he's done against the run this year. Um, I know that he was excellent as a rookie because I watched that. Um, but I also know the metrics is for him as a run defender has not been very good this year. I wonder why that is, but I do think that a change of scenery and a little bit more discipline and coaching and a system with Chris Kacerik will do Chase Young wonders. I think this is a home run move for the 49ers. We're talking about a very, very special talent, and I think he should solidify their defense. This is one part of the issue that's being solved. The second part of the issue is getting the scheme, getting the defensive line, the secondary, everybody on the same page, everybody executing. Now we can blame that on Wilkes. We can blame that on the players. I don't necessarily know who's at fault. All I know is that there's not being a good execution of the scheme that's being called. Perhaps the scheme is not the one that the players are comfortable with and they need to sort that out over the bye week. So Chase Young doesn't solve all of their issues. That issue still needs to be sorted, but Chase Young is a does solve a need for the 49ers. He does put them over the top. He makes them a better football team. And ultimately, I think it's a home run move for them. I think you bring it down well. I mean, personally, I think this is a great move for the 49ers, especially when you consider the compensation they give up. The 49ers, you know, they were <laughs> excuse me, they were in talks with a lot of different players. Montez Sweat was one of them as well. And you know how Montez Sweat they got outbid for Montez Sweat end up giving up, you know, they uh, Montez Sweat goes for a second-round pick, a pretty high second-round pick from the Chicago Bears. You also talk about guys like Rasul Douglas, who the 49ers ran on. They end up getting outbid. But they make one splash move, and it's important because they go for Chase Young, and they trade only a third-round compensatory pick for, this move, uh, for, the, for Chase Young. Now, on the field, Chase Young provides you a good amount of things. You point out the run defense. I think that there's a tale of two stories. I mean, he was good prior to his injuries in the run game. We'll see if he can get back to the field, but I'm confident that, you know, the way that Chris Cosera is going to use him, it's going to, you know, create some, some opportunities for the 49ers in the run game. And I think that he can be a three down player and he can help you as a base down guy, because right now the 49ers, I mean, they operate with their rotation, but Drake Jackson isn't producing as much as you want. This is this move is an indictment on him, as the 49ers probably don't feel as comfortable with him right now to roll with him in their rotation, instead going forward with guys like Chase Young and Randy Gregory. But also, I think Chase Young will provide you some inside-outside flexibility. The 49ers had these packages where they could really put their best pass rushers on the field before. You're still trying to get back into that mold. You had guys like Omenahue before. And I think now you can have packages where you might have Chase Young, Randy Gregory, and Nick Bosa on the field on in pass rushing situations. Combine those guys with the interior guys. You've got some good players. The point, though, is you now got to mesh it with the scheme. And I think that's why that was one of the bigger questions going into the deadline. For me, my take was I think adding talent. I mean, adding talent is obviously a benefit anytime you add talent. Regardless of the competition, it's adding talent. However, I thought the 49ers' biggest problem wasn't with their talent. It was with the scheme, and I think that problem still exists regardless of whether you, uh, what, what you like about the Chase Young trade and things like that. So I think that that's a different question. But on the move itself, it's a good move. Can we, can we touch on that, though? Let's go for it, though? yeah. Because I, I, for there's two things in what you said that I want to address, and I think one, the first one, that's a really good point, and maybe we can save it because I think it leads into another topic, um, on what you said, and then the second point on the scheme. Look, we can blame the scheme in a lot of ways, 
And I understand this is not the scheme the 49ers are comfortable running. They play a lot more man coverage on first and second down. I think that has to play into the lack of sync in terms of how they're fitting the run. We're talking about historically the Niners on first and second down played quarters coverage or cover three. That's what they did, and they were very good at fitting the run from those two coverages. Both of those coverages are good against the run. They are sound in terms of the run fits. Now they're playing a lot of man coverage, and it's causing mistakes. But the players also got to execute. And this is where I feel like Steve Wilkes is getting all the blame and all these 49ers players are skating by. You know, Javon Hargrave, we're talking about a super highly paid player, a free agent acquisition for the 49ers. He's been ghost town last two games. He didn't record a stat in the last game. He's not been very good. Fred Warner, he's supposed to be the best linebacker in the NFL. He's not been as good as he's been. He was in the first five, six games the last couple games. We're talking about, you know, Dre Greenlaw. Dre Greenlaw looks beaten to all kinds of hell. He looks banged up, and he's been missing tackles and everything. Then in terms of, you know, when we're looking at the 49ers defense, like the last touchdown that Joe Mixon scored, you know, the running duo, standard run play, Mixon kicks it outside. You get the force player. We have to have a crack and replace with uh, Diamador Lenore. He misses it. And again, we can blame Wilkes for calling man coverage, but if Diamador Lenore is running inside when his responsibility is to now become the force player on the on the run fit, things are issues for the 49ers defense. We lost Rohan here, I guess. Uh, I think he'll be here shortly. But either way, my my bottom line is, without Rohan here to respond to me, is we can blame Wilkes all we want, and I agree that the scheme hasn't been the best, and I think he, there's an abundance of blame he deserves, and a lot of it stems from that individual call against Minnesota, which was just, frankly, one of the worst calls I've ever seen by a 49ers defensive coordinator, and I lived through the entire Jim O'Neill experience, okay? Um, but, as did most of you, by the way, we're, we're all pretty old. Uh, if I'm old, then you guys are all, you know, I'm just saying, not, not to throw shade at anybody. But, um... I, I ultimately think that the defense also needs to play better. The star players, these guys that make a lot of money, these guys that are excellent football players in our mind also need to play up to that billing. I think they all looked a little bit exhausted too. We, we completely lost Rohan, so I'm going to have to go with the single screen here like this because um, Rohan is the one in charge of hosting our show today. Um, so I, there's nothing I can do about fixing the overlay until he returns here. Um, but yeah, ultimately, there we go. Steve Wilkes isn't all to blame. The other point that Rohan made that I wanted to address, and maybe we can see it as he keeps coming back into the show, is there's Rohan. There we go. I don't know what happened, but we are back. I apologize. Right, there we Let's go. go He's forward, back. Though. He's back. Okay. So all I was saying, and I, I said it in quite a long-winded way, as I tend to, I, I just was saying that um, Steve Wilkes deserves blame. He deserves culpability. But the 49ers star players need to play better regardless of what the calls calls are. They're not playing as well as they have been. They're not playing as well as they need to. I do think that they looked a little bit exhausted. And so the bye week came at a very, very fortunate time for them. But I, I, I don't think this is all, let's just put it on Steve, Steve Wilkes. He needs to call the game better. He certainly does. I'm not, I'm not saying he's not. he's doing a great job. But the Niners players also can't just put all the blame there. They need to play a little bit better. And then the one thing I wanted to address the point you made is I love the idea of Gregory, Bosa, and Chase Young all on the field together as pass rushers, right? We saw Menahue kick inside in years past. We saw Arden Key kick inside in years past. Of those three, I think this is a fabulous opportunity to kick Bosa inside at times. We've seen Miles yeah. Garrett. We've seen Micah Parsons. The new thing is stick your 
uber superstar freak edge rusher in front of the center and slide protection away from him or slide protection to him and make the center have to deal with him right after snapping the ball one-on-one, right? Why, why can't the 49ers do something like that with Nick Bosa? Maybe, maybe, maybe I, maybe that's something that they don't look to do. I don't know, but there's a suggestion. And then the other thing is Nick Bosa would be a lethal rusher inside. He's too fast for guards and he's strong enough to push them inside. Um, I don't know that he needs to rush inside on every down, but him or even Randy Gregory or even Chase Young, one of them kicking inside would be a nice twist and it would be an expansion on the NASCAR package that D'Amico Ryan's really coveted last year. So I love that idea. And I do think that it adds to the possibility of how this D-line can dominate. But the first things foremost, before we talk about them rushing the passer, we have to address the fact that they have not stopped the run well, and they're going to have to do that to earn the opportunity to do all of these cool things with these special defensive linemen rushing the passer. And that's the first thing they're going to have to fix whenever they meet and go into the drawing board and recoup after the bye. And I think you bring up a lot of good stuff right there. I mean, the number one thing that you bring up is the execution portion. And I wrote this in an article this week. Steve Wilkes is the scapegoat. He's getting a lot of the blame. And I think some of it is definitely deserved. I think you need there are improvements, and he understands that himself. But not only is, you know, you talk about the defense, and you pointed out a lot of things execution-wise defensively. You can also point out the offense. I mean, the offense hasn't been anything that special the last three weeks. He scores 17 points in three straight weeks. You're not supposed to score 17 points, you know, with the with the talent the 49ers have offensively, as well as the run game. I mean, you talk about the run fits that the 49ers have had defensively. It hasn't been that good def- uh, the, over the past few weeks. And this is an area where they've usually been stout. And this is an area where you can point more so to execution you got to put your players in better positions to win. Steve Wilkes knows that, and that's more so in a pass-rushing standpoint. But I do think the 49ers need to fix several things, and part of that goes on the execution as well. Yeah, I 100% agree. I 100% agree on all accounts there. Now, uh, and by by the way, I ahead. do think I do think the last couple weeks that's where I do feel bad for Steve Wilkes. It's not mm-hmm. that if we were cutting a blame pie, I wouldn't assign him the biggest piece of it. I, I I certainly would. It's that I feel like for all of the issues that are plaguing this football team, and there's a lot of them, they stuck him out in front of Minnesota where we were talking about that one call, which was I, I said it right, one of the worst calls I've ever seen. And we all lived through Jim O'Neill, and I'm telling you, it's one of the worst calls I've seen from a 49ers defensive coordinator, right? We addressed it. But we addressed it for four days after that football game. And there were a lot of other things in that football game that were wrong other than that call. But the only thing we talked about was that for four days, right? We didn't do that with Christian McCaffrey's red zone fumble, but we did that to Steve Wilkes, and he had to do a public apology, like addressing it as if, like, you know, he committed a crime. He made us some sort of mistake. That's what he needed to do in his press conference. I do think that. A lot less was on him this week, but the theme carried on because we talked about that so much um, last week. And again, I would assign him the biggest piece of the blame pie, but I think we, by assigning him that piece, we've gotten to a point where we're just blaming Steve Wilkes for all the issues wrong with the 49ers. And there's right. issues that start with one, their star players are not playing as well as they need to be, as long as, as well as they're capable of, as well as they usually do. And then the other thing is, and this is the 49ers offense, you brought up those execution issues. Let's go right there. Their biggest issue to me right now, Rohan, is that they don't run the football well. And that is a problem. I think it first starts with the fact that their offensive line without Trent Williams is just not good. They have an average offensive lineman, in my opinion, in Aaron Banks. 
a not very good one in Jake Brendel, a not so great one in uh, Spencer Burford, and a not so great one in Colton McKivitz. It's it's not a great offensive line. Scheme can only help them and protect them so much. They've been gotten they've gotten out of game situations because the defense has been on the field for so long. But to me, the fact that they're unable to run the football that that starts and a lot of their issues on offense all come from there. And it starts from the fact that, hey, everything falls from the fact that this team identifies itself as a running football team. That's how they want to base their identity on. That's who they want to be. That's who they claim to be. And we're talking about a team in back-to-back weeks and crucial moments in the game. The first, and eh, maybe not crucial, because I guess the first drive against Cincinnati, there, there was a lot of game left. But in two separate moments on two individual drives, they've had second and one, third and one. And they've right. been unable to convert second and one, third and one on runs. That's problematic, especially when we're talking about, hey, a defense that isn't so fantastic in Minnesota. And Cincinnati, who had some issues against the run, though I thought they were much improved against Seattle and much improved against the 49ers. You talk about the run game. I mean, I pointed it out. It seems like Kyle Shanahan acknowledged after the last game that it felt like he went away from the run a little too much in that game. But it also seems like a reason he's going away from the run is because he just doesn't have enough confidence in that offensive line. Without Trent Williams, this offensive line is not as good. Now, no. people looked at last year's offensive line, and a lot of people had questions going into last year about that offensive line. I thought going, uh, you know, in the offseason, last offseason, that this offensive line wasn't going to be that bad. I honestly thought they were going to be a top 10 team um, at the beginning of the season. They end up being around that top 10 range. This year, though, I had a lot more reservations. I thought this unit was not going to be that top 10 unit from last year because you always have to account for the three games, two to three games that Trent Williams will miss. You don't have tackle depth. That was my biggest issue with this team this year. It wasn't the starting position at right tackle. It wasn't the nickel corner. It was the tackle depth because those two to three games that Trent Williams misses, you don't have a competent replacement at the moment. You lost that guy. Well, that guy's your starter now. You don't have a replacement at the moment where you can truly trust them to hold it down for two to three games. Mark that with, we've seen a little bit of regression. Well, not regression necessarily, but not the necessary improvements from Spencer Burford, which may play with him, which may be a reason of he's playing next to Colton McKivitz, who also hasn't been that good. Jake Brendel has seen some regression. And overall, this unit, when you when you put it together, has not been that strong in 2023. It's been really, if we're being honest, it's been a lot of chunk plays for the 49ers that have gotten them to be, you know, to 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 kind of get away from some of the little things because they they've had issues with some of the little things overall, and that's kind of been overshadowed the first few weeks because they're making a, a number of major plays. But in the games where they're not able to make major plays, and you kind of need to win with the little things. That hasn't happened to a big degree, and they've ended up faltering. I agree. I agree 100%. And, and, and I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. And I think these are some of the little things that they need to fix um, when they come back from the bye. And so, yes, I, I think we both agree to just kind of put a bow on this conversation. We both agree, hey, the Chase Young move was 100% a home run. It makes the 49ers certainly better. But let's not pretend like it's a deodorant that's going to cover every one of the flaws that they've shown as they've gone on this three-game skid. There's a few other team things internally that they need to fix. And as long as they fix those, which they're very fixable, and we've seen them fix it in the past, the addition of Chase Young should allow them to be much a better football team and increase their opportunity, by the way, when we get into the playoffs. You can never have too many 
good edge players. The best example of this is right the 2007 Giants and what they did to arguably the greatest football team of all, all time with Justin Tuck, O.C. Yura, Matthias Kiwanuka, um, Michael Strahan, all of those guys. They had a, so many defensive linemen, so many edge players. Philly has had similar depth the time they won the Super Bowl, the time they got to the Super Bowl last year, and then this year when they're the last, you know, or they have the best record in the sport. I was about to say they were undefeated, but I forgot what Zach Wilson did to them. Um, Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And then so... When, when we're looking at that, ultimately for the 49ers, having Chase Young is not only going to help in the interim and help them be a better team now. When we're talking about the playoffs, when having these special defensive linemen makes such an impact in these colder weather, slower, kind of grinded out, grimier football games where putting pressure on the quarterback, given the pressure of the situation, adds that much more of an effect on his play. I think it's massive. Yeah, and I, I do agree. Let's start with that point. We talked about, you know, Chase Young, the value internally that he brings <laughs> to the 49ers. But what do you think this 49ers defense will now have with Chase Young in the fold? We talked about the issues. Let's go to the positive side. What do you think the 49ers defense can now do with Chase Young? Yeah, they have one, one they have a completely viable edge on the other side of Nick Bosa, not just a speed guy. He's a speed guy, but he can win every type of way. Um, he's a very complete pass rusher. He's got a complete set of moves. I've heard people say his motor isn't the best. Even in the comments I saw, somebody said, hey, his motor isn't the best. I don't necessarily remember that being an issue. Again, I'm not up to date on my Chase Young watching. I, I only have really watched Chase Young his rookie year. But we're when I saw him his rookie year, at least, and now, we're talking about two years before this, and it's not necessarily fair for me to use that as my basis. Um, but unfortunately, that's what I have to go off of. In his rookie year, I did see a player that had a big motor. Now, Washington has had a lot of issues plaguing their football team that go beyond Chase Young. Chase Young has obviously evidently had issues with his health. We're also talking about a player who Washington essentially gave up on after drafting second overall, right? They didn't take his fifth year option. And by trading him for a compensatory pick, they basically told you they had no interest in signing Chase Young to a long-term deal. And so we are talking about a player who had money on the line. And I wonder if that would have affected how he was going to play because obviously more sacks equals more money. Um, so perhaps he was saving his best rushes for just the pass rush opportunities, which weren't a dime in a dozen, by the way, because Washington was trailing in a majority of the football games Chase Young played in. So I think there's a lot of factors that go into why these questions exist about um, Chase Young. I do think coming to an organization that has a sense of purpose, purpose, excuse me, that has a culture that has 
is going to integrate him into a role and to fit um, a role for a greater purpose is all going to change his mindset. I do think from exactly what I remember when he was coming out of college and who he seemed to be his rookie year when he was winning defensive player of the year, I do think he's capable of reverting to that. And I think that also includes him being a menacing run defender, which I do think the 49ers need. I don't think their edges or their other edge away from Nick Bosa, though Cleveland Furl has been okay, specifically Drake Jackson. I don't think he's been particularly strong in the run game at all this year. And so I think Chase Young should be a double whammy support in both of those areas. Again, this is all under the guise and under the assumption that his knees aren't like eternally messed up because of the patella and um, ACL back-to-back. Because again, there's a part of me that's always wondering if right. his knee is a lot worse than anybody is letting on just because, hey, we're talking about a 24-year-old pass rusher, Rohan, that was traded for essentially a compensatory pick. 24-year-old pass rusher that when he was coming out of the draft, people were comparing him to like Miles Garrett and some of the great prospects to ever come out. And Hell, they were comparing him to Nick for- Bosa. Right. And he's getting traded for a compensatory pick. That makes me think that there's something we don't know. Like, I know the Niners are a super smart organization, but there's no way other teams can be that stupid where they don't see the value of a 24-year-old edge rusher with this talent. So I, I do think that under the assumption that everything's okay with his knees, we're, we're talking about a massive impact. I, I, I do think, one, because of his pass rushing skill set, but then, two, when you integrate him into the culture, what it can do with his ability to play the run when he's bought in and he's interested, given how talented he is, I think in both ways he's going to enhance the defense. I, I think so, too. And, I mean, I'm intrigued to see what he does in the run game because if you can have Chase Young involved in the run game, um, that, that allows you to have some three-down linemen because – you now have you don't have to rely on Cleveland Farrell as much, a guy who's been your base downs guy pretty much, and it allows for you to do a couple of more, a couple of different things defensively because you know that you know your pass rush sets and your 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 base down sets can be very similar, allowing you to disguise a couple of different looks. And so I'm intrigued to see what Chase Young can do in this team. I'm intrigued to see if his motor, if that's an issue, increases with this team with Chris Cosera coaching him and things like that. But I'm also intrigued to see, you know, you're, you're talking about that speed to power um, combination. Definitely want to see that with Nick Bosa. It seems like ever since D Ford's injury, we've been, we, we've tried to find that for Nick Bosa and we just haven't found the, the perfect package. You talk about Drake Jackson, you talk about the different guys. Um, and I mean, it's not like we haven't had good pass rushers. Charles O'Menehue was a good pass rusher. Arden Key was a good pass rusher, but they were good pass rushers in different ways. Even Randy Gregory is a pass rusher, uh, a good pass rusher, but in a different way with his length. And so mm-hmm. you now have that speed guy on the other side, but you're, you said it, Chase Young wins in multiple ways. And so I think it's cool to see you have Chase Young uh, in this fold. But like I said at the beginning, I want that NASCAR package or an iteration of it to be implemented. You, I want the pass rushers on the field. If you trust them enough to be good run defenders, Armstead's a solid run defender. Bosa's a solid run defender. Young right. can be a solid run defender. Gregory, while he might not be there uh, to, the, to the other level, I mean, it's it's good to have him in the fold as a pass rusher. If you can have four good pass rushers or even five good pass rushers in those five defensive linemen combinations, if you could have that many good pass rushers on the field at the same time, I think it just adds value to the 49ers and maybe makes things easier for Steve Wilkes where he might be overthinking things with the defensive line, trying to utilize them in different ways to get to the quarterback. Just let them rush four, allow them to fill their lanes and 
you know, utilize their arsenal and moves in order to get to the quarterback. Right. I a hundred percent agree. I a hundred percent agree. I, I think they're, I mean, we're talking about from an edge rush duo standpoint, you said Nick Bosa's never had the other guy. Yeah. I were, I, Nick Bosa has never had a guy where we say in tandem with Nick Bosa, they might be the best edge duo in the sport. Not since when him and D Ford were basically playing for like the first six games of his rookie year, when he was on a bum ankle and D Ford was actually healthy. Pretty much the only portion of his Niners career he was healthy. Yeah, and I mean, exactly. Like you said, he was not healthy for that long. And so now you hope that that's not the case with Chase Young. Let's talk about something the 49ers did not do at the deadline, mm-hmm. which is trade for a cornerback. Talk was there that they were involved with certain players. Rasul Douglas was one of them. Ended up not going for a cornerback. What do you think about that move? I do think that they needed one. It was their biggest need. Um, they we've, I, we've talked about it actually together, the fact that we felt like there were two corners they could rely upon throughout yeah. this year. And I do think the play from Lenore and Ward has been a little up and down at times. Partially, I think this is where the Steve Wilkes plays into it. Maybe they're not put in positions that they were put in in previous years, and they're just not as comfortable doing that. Though with the amount of press man that they're playing, Mooney Ward, that was his game in Kansas City. So I I, I don't know that that's exactly an excuse for him. But we've seen his confidence sometimes go a little bit up and down. The cool thing about him is even when it goes down for a corner, he's always able to build it back up. So I fully expect him to bounce back after a somewhat rough couple of weeks. But I, I definitely think they wanted to acquire a corner. I think a corner was a need. The problem is one corner is a premium position because we're talking about a small suspect of guys that actually have the athleticism to play the position. And typically, right, right, we're talking about the prime age of basically from when they come into the NFL to when they're 26, 27, that's basically their athletic prime where they can run well enough to play the position. I mean, how many great 30-year-old corners do you know? Very rare, right? Very rare that we see a corner like Richard Sherman play well in his early 30s or a Revis play well in his early 30s. It doesn't really happen. And so given that, there's always a premium placed on them in terms of draft capital, right? They're drafted high in the draft. There's a premium placed on them. It's a premium position. And so because of that, I do think when you looked at the corner market, the Niners had to kind of thread this perfect needle when they spend midseason where they couldn't spend a premium pick because there's some offensive and defensive line um, additions that they need to eventually make in the draft with younger and cheaper players that they can't use their high spent assets on anymore, which means that they had to thread this needle with the middle round pick. And I don't know that there was a value for a corner that could come in and make an immediate impact for the 49ers and was going to be worth the middle round pick. There was a point this season when I suggested the name Jalen Johnson but this was like week two or week, or yeah, this was week two when I suggested Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson completely outplayed that price that I was suggesting. I was suggesting a Chase Young move with Jalen Johnson where you trade the compensatory third for him and then he walks and gets a third. He was going to go for a first-round pick or a second-round pick had he got moved um, this um, trade deadline, likely a first for the 49ers because I don't know that the Bears would be too enthused by a pick in the 60s. Um, And so therefore, at least that's what we expect for the 49ers. And so therefore, as much as I think they needed a corner, as much as I think they needed a secondary player, I don't know that there was necessarily a move that made sense. I don't know that there was another team ready to tango or give up the player that was right for them. So they went and got the next best thing to help their secondary, which is a pass rusher. Yeah. And I mean, 
you're right in that it's tough to trade for a corner and corner prices were high. I mean, the 49ers were up there for Rasul Douglas. I did not right. expect him to go Rasul for a Rasul Douglas for a third pick. is nuts, especially yeah, with this contract. Third round pick. Yeah, that was pretty high. That was pretty yeah. high. I mean, you talk about other players. Jalen Johnson for the 49ers would have costed them their first round pick. Ryan Pohl said they were not going to be inclined to trade him whether unless it was going to be for a one or two speculating early twos for you know teams that had those picks. So it was going to be tough. It was going to be tough, and you're not going to want to trade your one this year. You don't. You need a tackle. You need other positions in the draft. Hell, a cornerback in the first round is going to be more valuable than Jalen Johnson at right. $17 million a year right. given this specific team. And right. so I think that you know you can understand why they didn't trade for a corner. I do think that they could have used one for sure. I think like when I made the comment about them scheme being the bigger issue than talent, that doesn't mean talent wasn't the issue as well in certain positions. And I think corner was one of them. You could have used a, you know, a guy like Rasul Douglas who has solid press coverage skills to potentially implement more press man or, you know, Please, nickel. The, the amount of press man exactly that, that you're, you're using now. And so I'm, I'm curious how the 49ers try and adjust because Unfortunately, Isaiah Oliver has not been good in coverage. That's 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 just how it's been. He's been put in tough situations. There have been tough one-on-ones. Um, but unfortunately, that's what you're going to expect now with Isaiah Oliver because what are teams going to try and do? They're going to try and isolate their top receivers in the slot to utilize them in that way. Right. And we saw, you know, Jamar Chase being used in the slot on his right. touchdown. Tyler Boyd was using the slot, obviously, on the touchdown that he got over uh, Isaiah Oliver. There are certain ways that teams will try and And he's getting beat guys. vertically, right? Which yeah. is the bigger issue. That's the issue. When you're talking about corners getting beat deep, if they're able to be deep, beat deep, you can beat them anywhere and anywhere else because they're always scared of you running by them on every play. And Isaiah Oliver is getting run by quite often. And then I, I do think, to his credit, because I've been an Isaiah Oliver doubter, he's had a couple of good games this year. I thought specifically yeah. the Minnesota game when the defense played poorly, he played pretty well. He's improved in his tackling. Early in the season, preseason, he was not doing well as a tackler either. He's improved there. He definitely closes in and dumps a little bit. Um, I, I just think it's an unfortunate situation where he was kind of a coveted free agent for them, I guess. They gave him guaranteed money. And he has just not worked out into the capacity that they would have liked. And I think you nailed it on the head when you're talking about Rasul Douglas, because I, I do think that you would have to trade a third round pick for him and incur kind of a weird contract in his case. But you you brought it up, right? He's kind of what they imagined Isaiah Oliver to be as right. a nickel. So, yeah. I mean, the one guy that I'm thinking right now, a guy who was also a Steve Wilkes guy who hasn't really been talked about, Darrell Luter is a guy who I think that might be the 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 underlying guy who potentially could come in and I don't know if he plays really because he's a he's a rookie, but Darrell Luter's the press man guy who I'm personally thinking if anybody was going to break out into that group and potentially earn playing time, it would be him on the outside and moving Lenore to the inside. I don't want to be a hater. Um I, I I have not watched Darrell Luter at all, so I will preface by saying that. I don't want to be a hater, but I also want to be a little bit realistic because I've heard this take from many people um, who talk about the 49ers, and I, I understand why you're saying it, but here's my thing. How many fifth-round corners do you know that miss the entirety of preseason, miss the entirety right. of the offseason, come in midseason and make a real impact? 
First of all, how many fifth round corners do you know that make an impact as a rookie? Let alone how many fifth round corners do you know that are starting in the NFL given the physical requirement to play the in the NFL? Let alone how many fifth round corners that get injured basically don't play the entirety of the offseason, spend some time on, you know, the injured he was on PUP and then come back midseason and all of a sudden they're contributors to a defense that's vying to win the Super Bowl. Come on, let's be a little realistic, Rohan. I uh, I know. I know. The reason that I bring his name up is because, frankly, I don't think the 49ers have the solution on their roster. And so the way that I, I see it, I honestly did but not But you don't you like Luder more than Womack? Size. I think I think his size probably uh, makes him a better fit for what the 49ers want to do. And again, this is going off two players where we really don't have much game tape on. And so you're going off measurables. You're going off what you saw from them pre-draft and things like that. And so that's the reason why I think I'd prefer him and Wilkes' personal scheme if you're running the amount of press man that you are. Because I think Womack will get beaten off the uh, – uh, oh, you know, in in the in the nick or not in the nickel on the outside with his uh, respective size. So that's where I look at it. But I don't see too many options that the 49ers have in their current room that they think can make an impact. I mean, it's clear that they don't trust Ambry Thomas in that role because he hasn't been seen in weeks when Isaiah Oliver's kind of in place on the in, uh, in, in the in the right. nickel role. Well, well, they tried that already, right? We talked yeah. about that one too. We've talked yeah. enough this year. Yeah. Yeah, and so that one didn't work out as well. I mean, I think um I think that there are a couple of things that the 49ers kind of have to do defensively. I wonder if they try and experiment at the cornerback position, but you are right in that, you know, it's mid-season. He is a rookie. That's the one guy, though, I think out of anybody could potentially make an impact in this group if there's anybody on that team. All right, I'll go with Womack. I like Womack. I think Womack has a press profile. You were a Womack guy in the preseason, I remember. When you yeah, said, uh, he's got you know. those longer arms, so that makes him have a bigger frame. The other thing I like about Womack is that he can run, um, and he's feisty. But for whatever reason, the Niners brass has not been – the biggest Sam Womack fan, right? He st they started off right. as a big fan of Sam Womack, and then they benched him kind of out of nowhere um, after that week one monsoon game. He was the one starter that got benched after that game and because D'Amador Lenore outplayed him in practice, and then he basically didn't see the field for the rest of that football season, basically. And then this year, yeah. for whatever reason, he didn't play nickel really at all. It was D'Amador Lenore going to play nickel, but unfortunately, Ambry Thomas couldn't cut it on the outside, so then they put put um um Oliver, Oliver on the, the inside nickel, yeah. and then kicked the Lenore back outside. Womack was, you know, active week one. He wasn't injured yet with the knee injury. That was only after week one, and Ambry Thomas played over him because he had a kind of a weekend to the offseason, and I guess he didn't perform well in the practices leading up to the season. And then the other thing with Womack is, hey, like they don't look at him as a nickel at all. They look at him as an outside corner, and they looked at all, or Ambry Thomas ahead of him at the start of the season. So whether I like him or not, whether they invested a pick in him or not, whether that he was a starter going into the season last year, it feels like he's got his work cut out a little for him with the 49ers because he seems on the outside looking in in each one of these personnel decisions that we they seem to make in regard to their corners. Yeah, and that's why I wouldn't be surprised if they go back in the 24 draft with the amount of picks they have and select yet another corner. I would not Multiple, be surprised. Multiple, probably. 
Yeah, you one earlier and one a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. They need the depth but as hey, well. Bitch. That's the issue. Yeah. I mean, you're right in that you kind of do need depth, especially after this year. I was going to point that out right now in terms of last offseason. We talked – or not, like this offseason, we talked about depth going into the offseason. They didn't do much. They they signed Oliver, obviously. He's a Wilkes guy. Mm-hmm. And then they drafted one – yeah, one corner. Um, so you didn't really add much depth. I wonder – what they what they try and change this year. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to them, they've always been kind of happier with their corner depth than the rest of us, and they've been right yeah. longer than us. Now, they've also had stretches of football where they've played with Josh Norman, so we got to give them the I told you so, but for the most part, they've figured it out and had competency playing at the corner position, or even they've gotten moderate production from guys who haven't been so good. Like they had to play with rookie Ambry Thomas. They found a way schematically yeah. and then through the use of their other 10 players to cover for that. Um, so, yeah, no offense, Ambry. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm always – if there's one Niners player that just catches strays from me, it's that guy. That's unfortunate, Ambry Thomas. So we, uh, we apologize. But, Vish, Let we talked about a lot today. Before we go, go ahead. I know you're going to end it, but before we go. Did you think the Chase Young move was the best move of free agency or or, or the trade deadline? Excuse me. The trade deadline almost felt like free agency with the number of players that moved. Um, Did you think it was Chase Young or did you think it was the Eagles getting fired? Um, What did he say about the other move? Or I I mean, I I said versus the Eagles getting fired. I guess you can pick like Sweat moving to the Bears or Miko Hardman going to the Chiefs if you want. I figured that those were the two mainstream moves made by the arguably the two top two of the two or three or four best teams in the NFL. If you still want to put the Niners there, I'm not sure that they're there right now. Um, But we're talking about those two moves made by them, high profile moves, high profile teams, I guess. So those were the two I compared, but what was the best trade deadline move in your opinion? If I'm considering the moves made on um, trade deadline day, I would probably put the chase young trade at number one. However, I do think that if you're talking about the buyer trade as well, I'm going to give the Eagles the slight edge. I think Bayard fits a bigger need for the Eagles. I think they 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 specifically highlighted the one position they needed help at, which was safety. And they now get Kevin Bayard, who, albeit is a little step down from his elite production in general. He's a little older. So this move isn't really one for the future as much as it is for just this year. But they didn't pay that much given, and they're also not paying him that much this year in general. The Titans are taking on a lot of that salary. It's a one-year deal for for Kevin Byard. I'll give them the edge just because I think it fit a bigger need than the 49ers getting another defensive end. But of the trades made on trade deadline day, I do think that Chase Young was the most valuable, or it was the best move overall. I'd give it the highest grade. I think I'd give it a higher grade than the Montez Sweat trade. I think I'd give it higher grade than the Ezra Cleveland grade, which I thought was a pretty good one. That I was thought, a good move. I, I, I mean, that was a surprise that he got. Yeah. He was only gone for a sixth. He was going to get traded, but for a sixth was pretty solid. I thought that was a you know, good a metrics good this year. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, they they have a uh, Dalton Reisner, and so they're fine moving on because I mean, right. if you have an additional offensive lineman, usually you should get value for them, but. I guess not in this case, a sixth round pick. No. Yeah. But okay. yeah, what do you think? I love um, I love the way you describe that because I do think Bayard is a great move for Philadelphia and he fits them like a glove, okay? And I agree with you. He's a step down, but he's still probably an excellent player. Maybe he's even a better player than 
Chase Young at this juncture, though I'm not 100% sure of that. But in terms of pure value, Rohan, in terms of, hey, when we compare the value of getting Bayard or getting Chase Young for a compensatory pick, and we're talking about edge rusher versus the safety, that's where I really gave the Niners the edge. I, I do think that Bayard also filling a need helps Philadelphia. But again, when you're talking about getting the value of a 24-year-old edge rusher for a compensatory pick, and maybe I just have it all wrong with Chase Young, okay? Maybe I haven't been paying attention to what's going on the last couple of years. Like maybe Chase Young is not who I think he is. But I, I've seen a lot of the highlights and stuff of his rushes. I've seen people break down some of his rushes on Twitter and stuff like that. And he looks like Chase Young to me in a lot of ways, or at least the Chase Young I remember. I will go and watch him. I'm going to do it tonight after this show, tomorrow, uh, maybe not tomorrow, tomorrow before my show with Larry and Jesse for sure. I'll, I'll have watched him to maybe have a little better opinion. If you consider my opinion, Matt, for watching him any better, I don't know if it's really that much better, but it's, I guess it's better. Um, but um, uh, I'll definitely watch him, but I, I don't understand it at all, Rohan. I don't understand why that's the competitive value for a 24-year-old edge player with that level of talent. How can you I not don't... take that risk? Even, yeah. even if it includes having to pay him. Even if it includes having to pay him. Yeah, I, I think you make a good point. I think the, the value part is especially intriguing because a compensatory pick, for those of you that don't know, Trace Young is going to be a free agent this year. Washington likely wouldn't have gotten him. They would have got a third-round compensatory pick in 2025. They are trading it for the equivalent of a 2024 pick and losing a half season of production from Chase Young. The 49ers are going to get a compensatory pick in 2025 because I don't expect them to re-sign Chase Young. They're going to get another third-round pick, essentially right. eliminating the one that they lose. They get a half season of production, and they already have two third-round picks in 2024 to the point yeah. where you don't necessarily need an extra third-round pick in 2024. You can... In a way, you might want to kind of move one from 24 to 25 to continue to balance it out. And so the 49ers are getting additional value. They're not losing too much because they already have good capital in the 2024 draft while also getting a whole half or, yeah, half a season of Chase Young, who has looked good this year, especially as a pass rusher. I know the run metrics haven't been as high as you'd hope uh, compared to his rookie year, but he's looked good as a pass rusher. Yeah, and he has five sacks, which is, I mean, yeah. five sacks is five sacks. No matter how you want to say he's getting the sacks, five, that's five sacks. That's real production. That's more, I think that's, that would be the most on the Niners right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is the most on the Niners right now. Um, but I, I also agree with you um, on the Chase Young production and the run metrics. Wait, what did you say before that? I just blanked for a second. The, the value of a compensatory pick, how... Oh, yeah, it's... so the one thing I wanted to add to that compensatory formula is part of the reason why the Niners aren't pressed about their 2024 Ran Miko, as John Lynch called it, um, compensatory pick is because they're going to probably likely get a third-round pick for one Mike McGlinchey, who signed a massive contract with Denver. And that's why they are comfortable with getting the compensatory pick for Chase Young only in 2025. And the good part is they're getting a third-round compensatory pick for Mike McGlinchey, and that's not the one that they're losing when they, you know, got Javon Hargrave. They got Javon Hargrave, but Jimmy Garoppolo obviously canceled that out. Right. And then he they get another third-round compensatory pick for McGlinchey, right. and then another one in the Rand Miko pick, which they just moved. So you're still ending up with two compensatory picks while also ending up with Chase Young and ending up with uh, Javon Hargrave. 
Not to mention the sweetness of Mike McGlinchey has been utterly awful in Denver. Jesus Christ. That might be yeah. the worst free agent signing of the offseason. He, he wasn't is, even right? this bad in San Francisco. He yeah, wasn't. No, this has been he's, really he's been bad. awful in Denver. Um, yeah. um, and then the reason Colton yeah, McKibbins probably doesn't get as much hate is because McGlinchey has been really bad there. Yeah. yeah. And then Jimmy Garoppolo has yeah. been pretty much terrible with the Raiders. Oh now God. he's done. He's it's he's been done. a lot of Jimmy. His, his career in, in, in Vegas is done. Cause he's his career that as a contract starter was, is done. His yeah, career yeah. as a starter is done because it's not just the fact that he's been utterly awful with the Raiders. He's getting hurt just about after every single one of these games. So I don't doubt that he's probably banged up even now. And maybe that plays a factor into his play being utterly awful, but it doesn't matter because availability is a skill. It's not a, it's not, it's an ability. It's not something, it's part of what makes you good at your job. It counts in this equation and he is never available. So yeah, it's kind of funny because the Niners are, Getting even a third round, double third round compensatory pick, one for Garoppolo that get canceled by Hargrave. Though Hargrave has not been great the last couple of games, is is nuts. Um, and then um, the uh, the one from uh, McGlinchy, the one for McGlinchy, man, that that one's just hilarious at this point. Yeah, he's been like, I I defended him for how he was in San Francisco when people got at him. But the way people criticized him in San Francisco is literally how he's playing in Denver. Like, it's that right. bad. Right, right. I mean, he he's playing how fans thought he was playing in San Francisco. He's actually Maybe doing it now. Maybe he was playing that bad. Maybe we were wrong for defending him. That's what I'm thinking after watching him in Denver. Right. But, uh, I mean, Go I don't to know. So how much know. this team helps more than just the quarterback, huh? Yeah, yeah. Poor Mike. Poor Mike, but um, that's unfortunate. Another bad contract out there, unfortunately, for Denver. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, along with Russell Wilson, huh? Yeah. And Sean yeah, Payton, perhaps. That one yeah, that one. I mean, that one, you traded first and second round pick out there. Uh, and Walmart's for, for the that. one paying. Because he's getting paid, like, the, what is it? It's reported to be, like, up north of $20 million for Sean Payton, right? You're saying the contract, right? Yeah, it was pretty Yeah, was pretty even high. though we're never supposed to know what coaches make. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it, yeah, it was about in the neighborhood of $18 million a year. Jeez. Which he so could have earned Walmart is $100 million million retirement. And his <laughs> yeah, family yeah. wealth, generational wealth, his kids. That's probably got to be the highest paid coaching contract, I would assume. No, I know Bill dude, recently got knows one. what Belichick is making. Bill, Belichick he has recently got an extension at the beginning of the season that nobody talked about. Yeah. He's a GM and the coach. Right, right. And then Shanahan. Shanahan's had two extensions with the 49ers. I know the first extension, the speculation was it put him north of $10 million. Are you telling me that the second extension is keeping him in the same realm? He definitely got a raise with that extension. And it's interesting because you never know, right, the amount of money that they're getting in these extensions. So the owner can keep it hushed because it's just straight out of the owner pocket. It's not like you have a cap or anything for these. And then with Kroenke's pockets, think about it. Jed kept John Lynch away from Amazon, and Kroenke has those massive pockets, and he had to keep Sean McVay away from the booth. What do you think McVay's got him? McVay's got a Super Bowl. Like, dude, these coaches his retirement every year gets a low raise, continues forward. Oh, he got dude, who knows? Who knows? Because none of us ever know. None of us that's that's actually one thing that pisses me off. Okay. 
not not we'll go on a little side rant and then maybe we'll end the show because this people might not like this rant at all because they might think like dude who cares if you're pissed off about this but it pisses me off that we have the right to talk about players and we put their contract on them and we stick it in front of their face like you're not i i just did it i just did it in this show to javon hargrave like oh big free agent signing and he's not playing up to that why does the coach's contracts have to be so secretive why do they get to escape that criticism why can't we know? Kyle Shanahan, you're making $20 million. This doesn't cut it. Why can't we yeah. know? Sean McVay, yeah. you're making $90 million. I'm throwing arbitrary numbers out, by the way. Um, You're making $90 million. Like, why Why can't we know that and evaluate them based on that and criticize them based on that? Because, because that, is, I mean, ways, that is an important thing. I know you don't have a salary It feels cap, ugly, so right? It, it feels ugly to but, throw yeah. that number out in front of a player. Like, they're not. we're not the ones yeah. choosing to pay him that. They didn't, like... Right. At, they didn't tell anybody that you have to. Well, they kind of did, but like they're also getting paid that. Like they earned that as well. And so then throwing that number around anytime they don't perform, I also think is a little unfair, even though I just did it. So like I'm a hypocrite there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's interesting because when I think about it from a college landscape, we know everything about what college coaches make, uh, every college head coach yeah, and things like that. Yeah. Those are contracts are big, right? Because they're all. Oh, you know, they, oh yeah university sponsored and all that so we know exactly what they make but not for not for nfl head coaches yeah it's a weird phenomenon but it it, yeah yeah, maybe maybe if people like that we should have more rants like that i i have quite a few things that get me somewhat quite a few thoughts that way reason yeah oh that way is correct so many things that just peeve me for no reason that probably nobody else in the world really cares about but i do hey that's for that maybe maybe you know there's just one show maybe you just do one show a week where you just you know give off a little rants that way or another way about certain things, things that, that, just that piss me off the football world <laughs> yeah yeah things that piss oh dude if i got started on the media parts of the football world i mean i've done a oh, couple no. of rants on them if i got started on like draft and draft twitter and pre-draft you'd probably burn a burn a, a good amount of bridges that way Oh, not even burning bridges. I think I would just be labeled the angry guy who's always complaining, which I guess I'm a little bit of a complainer. Who knows? Eh, it's okay. It's no big deal. You are a eh, complainer. Yeah, exactly. What are you going to do, right? People. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Can't this is what everybody. we do. Too bad. This is what we do. People just got to deal with it. I like it. Look at that. The guys in but college. He's hiding his Pepsi yeah. under the camera so that nobody can see right him here. drinking it. But he's he's right you look at look at the wisdom that's exuding from the guy. I remember when I had the college wisdom. It all disappeared though. My college desk right now is a mess and with a lot of weird things. So yeah. But always yeah. weird things that you can stick under your laptop to stack it so that it's because elevation is supposed to be good in terms of height for the stream, right? That was right, an early right. tip I learned. So I ha- I'd always have like eight different notebooks, all with different scribbles of different notes or scratch paper that I use. And I would then close them and shove them under my laptop and bang, I would have an elevated thing for the original times I was streaming. Or I would have like, now now I have like an official light and a mic. Look at this. Before it would just be whatever lamp was in my room would be on and it would hey, be man. like hurting my we still eyes. Got- the one thing that keeps us unique is the backgrounds. We still got the blank background. True, true, true. I love that you go white and I go a little darker. That contrast is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. We were going to keep it this way because I don't think I'm ever going to put something up on this wall. Oh, I, I plan to eventually. 
If anybody knows the right person, I'm open to an interior decorator. I, I'd prefer to do it for free, but you know, I'm not opposed to paying. Preference is free, though. Yeah, yeah. But hey, Vish, this was a fun show. We talked about a lot. We talked about trade deadline. We talked about Chase Young, the way the 49ers need to make improvements. Talked you about the cornerback position. Oh, I did disappear. Yeah. My computer may have shut off, and then I come back. So hopefully nobody heard what I said in between. But, uh, you know, we, we had a fun show, and uh, thank you for keeping it alive during those moments. And then, uh, you know, we ended it off with a, a little bit of a personal insight. We'll call it that way. Any last thoughts, though, before we head on out of here? No, I'm good. I guess Perna Moore is bringing up Steve Wilkes coming down. You want to just talk about that? I, I don't know Let's that do I really understand how that makes a difference. I've seen other coaches say that you can feel the energy of the game, your team, a little bit better to make maybe make calls that are more suitable to them. I think it's based on preference, but I do think part of the change is that they're not 100% sure what needs to change, and they're just trying to change a little bit of things with vibe and energy to improve that part. Because when, when the morale is better, obviously it does help defense in general so i think that's yeah. really all this is but I, I i don't know enough about how this makes a difference so yeah i i think this one's interesting because to me i i don't think that the 49ers would experiment this for the reason people are people are like saying because D'Amico, robert sala they were energizers i don't think steve wilkes is like that really i think honestly if they do this move it's to help kyle shanahan because kyle shanahan can directly talk with Steve Wilkes, communicate with Steve Wilkes in the game and potentially be a little more involved on that side to where he helps Steve Wilkes out, but also has some head coaching input on the defensive side of the ball. I think that that's something that they might look to experiment with. And again, it's the experimentation plan because Shanahan obviously wants to solve this issue, but I don't know if bringing him down from the booth where he has said personally, publicly, he feels more comfortable I don't know if that's the best solution, or at least it's going to be the solution for the reason fans re, uh, think it, it'll be. Well said. I agree. I agree. Yeah, but appreciate the comment there, and appreciate everybody who tuned in to this show. Um, thank you guys so much, especially you know with a little bit of a later show today. But it was a fun show as always, Vish, and definitely had a lot to talk about. We'll be back soon for sure. 100%. This was an awesome show, and maybe we should make this a weekly Wednesday thing. Yeah, uh, you know, and the time will slowly go back and back and back to the point where we're starting at 11 p.m. Uh, Pacific oh, yeah. time. Yeah, And I, I go to work every Thursday, so there isn't that great for my sleep. Yeah, yeah. Especially given but, that there's no chance of going to sleep right after this. No, it'll probably take a little, an hour or two hours, and then, you know, then you're sitting there at 1 o'clock or whatever it is thinking yeah should have got a couple hours of sleep when you say it out loud it makes me feel a lot worse so that's gonna <laughs> that's what's gonna happen well i think the same way too because yeah there's no chance i'm going to sleep right now either and so that's gonna be a little unfortunate for the sleep tomorrow 100 all right good night everybody thank you see you rohan all right we'll see you next week <laughs>